Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. I have the distinct pleasure of having a good friend on the podcast today. This is a buddy of mine who went to Fuller Seminary with me, uh, and and uh, we've been able to keep in touch uh, over the years, and then we both ended up, look at us, pastoring churches within what, five miles of each other? Yeah. Is that a thing? It, maybe. Well, ladies and gentlemen, of course, I'm talking about the man himself, Cole Beshore is our guest on the podcast today. Welcome to the pod, Cole. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, Cole, I want to get into uh, just the deepest, darkest secrets of your heart. Mm. No, no, yes. no, I want to get into... Start, let's start there. <laughs> no, that, that's where we start, and then we just ramp up from there. Yeah. No, I want to... Okay, you are, and I hate to do this to you, but you are the son of Kenton Beshore, who started Mariner's Church, one of the mega churches in the universe, but one of the mega churches certainly in SoCal, land of the mega church. And mm-hmm. and so when I met you, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's mega. This is a mega guy. This is a this is the inheritor. This is the legacy guy right here. This is but but then I was also thinking, pastor's kid. And we all know PK stories. Yeah, they messed that, up. That gets really weird. And yeah. so so from the moment we started chatting, however many years ago when we were both at Fuller, it must have been two thousand five. Um I was always, and maybe this is totally unfair to you, but I was always like really interested in how your personal story intertwined with you just being a seminary, being a pastor, all these other things. Because I was like, oh man, you come with like such a backstory that not a lot of pastors come with. And I didn't say baggage, I did say backstory. Yeah. Right. That was a polite, polite thing you did there. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, that. okay. So here's, I, here's what I genuinely want to know How did you come to know the Lord? Like, because. I was raised in the church, you know, everyone's got their, their version of things, I'm sure. But like, as someone who grew up in the church, like I did, like, what, what is the story of someone, what is it like to grow up as not just a pastor's kid, but a mega pastor's kid? And then like, how do you find the Lord, walk with the Lord? Is that the Lord? Can you tell us a little bit about like, sort of how you come to know the Lord, how you start walking with the Lord? You know, I don't know, maybe when you're, your early days, your early years, as it were. Yeah. Well, so clarification. Yeah. <laughs> Dad didn't start Mariners. Mariners started as a Bible right. study in Newport right, Beach, right. committed to reaching their neighbors. Okay. And, and he's okay. actually not even the first pastor. Okay. That's serious. So, but. But he was Mr. Beca- Mega. Became the guy, uh, became the guy at a right. s- what, small time. Okay. Yeah. So, how did I find Jesus in the midst of. Yeah, so, the okay. Church, Tell right? me about growing a, up in that family. It's a hard yeah. place to find the. <laughs> could Jesus. be. Jesus, yeah. No. It could be. No, that's fair. Uh, no, young age. So. Like many uh, folks growing up in the church, found Jesus at a young age in Sunday school and church, you know, had heard the stories and whatever. I maybe maybe have been, I don't know, five or six, something okay. like that. But I, I actually remember the, I remember the room. I remember the Sunday school teacher talking about Jesus and giving the, do you want him to be your Lord and Savior talk. Invitation to the kids. Yeah, totally. I love it. Yeah. I love that. So, had the invitation to the kids, and I remember going, I need to do that, and I've heard about this, and mm-hmm. want to do that, and I remember telling my parents, and then praying, them praying again with me, and I, you know, as much as that's the, st- like, maybe a rote story, 
I remembered the distinctive like this is for real. This yeah, changes my life. Right. Is, yeah, I get, and even what I now know to be a sense of the Holy Spirit, kind of like okay, I'm I'm a different person, becoming a different person on a regular basis. But that, but yeah. that is that the fact that you have like at this moment, because I would I would imagine for people like us who grew up in the church, but maybe especially grow up pastor's son or whatever not having that moment could feel like, is this my thing or is this their thing? Right? Like yeah, that the no, Lord absolutely. would kind of mark that with you. Yep. Seems like a really cool kind of, you know, act of grace, but also clarity that this was yours and your decision and something personal for you early on. Yeah, absolutely. And then I would say, you know, junior high and high school years would be a series of testing and, you know, pushing and making that faith my own, you know, as I would think any, kid growing up in the church that would experience it that way you know with maybe some added uniqueness because I was a pastor's kid did you feel like obvious I mean especially and again I'm not like but especially because the church does sort of explode in size as uh, under his uh, his leadership um the scrutiny I mean like this all of a sudden like it's like the first family or something like did you feel like was that weird like was that an a tangible thing hey guys you, we have to be on our decentest behavior oh <laughs> like, yeah people are watching you're you can't just do that <laughs> yeah so I mean I, I, I'm a little bit a fish describing water it's the world I grew up in so right. on some level I, I didn't know any better right and then on some levels, maybe my parents did certain things to mitigate that a little bit. But then because of the church's size and the community we lived in, there was, you know, so the funny story I tell is, is in maybe June, eighth grade and I had a girlfriend, whatever that was, well, but yeah. like at the mall, sure. Fresh right. Island. Right. And, and uh, a couple coming up to us and saying, oh, I have your Christmas card on my, you know, my your fridge because we sent a your face a yeah family Christmas card right. to everybody in the church every year, <laughs> which was like a, okay I can't go anywhere without which and my dad would say to us like I'm always going to hear about what you did so you know like <laughs> better watch it so yes there was a sense I have of your like, face I better on my mantle yeah. son <laughs> I better be really careful about <laughs> what I'm doing in public like I yeah I'm going to get spotted. <laughs> Uh, so I had that sense growing yeah, yeah, yeah. up of like, oh, okay, I'm, I can't get away with mm-hmm. much. Maybe. Did but. you feel like, uh, man, I got to fight back against this? Did you feel like a rebellious streak? I mean, you said like the normal, got to test and see, got to push some of these boundaries, yeah. kind of see where my limits are, see where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a, a season of like totally rejecting anything, or was it a little more subtle than that? Yeah, no, I didn't, and that's the. I never felt rebellious. I never felt like I needed to rebel. I Mm -hmm. never felt like I needed to push off the church. I never felt like I needed to rebel against my parents. I got myself into trouble, but it never felt like it was... Against. Yeah, out of a rebellious sort of spirit. It was more of a, I'm an idiot teenager than, than, or curiosity than a, like, I'm... I'm, And I never had a, a season where I really rejected my faith either which might be a, a story that might be in there i never had a season where i was like i don't believe this anymore you know i may have had wrestlings with how much do i really want to follow it but i actually felt pretty well held on to by the lord my whole life even in my moments of i'm not really doing a great job walking with him or pursuing yeah. him yeah that's well l- l- let me ask this question so elise and i my wife and i um you know, 
We're raising you have three. pastor's kids. <laughs> We're raising pastor's kids. So I hope you apologize to and him daily. I, yeah, for, I mean, everything I'm saying to you, I'm saying to myself. Yeah. Um, but no, like one of the things like we want to do and with just praying um, is like raise kids that don't feel like they have to rebel. Like, I mean, that is such like a generic narrative, but it's also generic for a reason. Every, you know, so many people do. Um, could you maybe just make a comment about like maybe the way your parents parented that you never felt like provoked to have to, yeah, you know, like, was there a, a way that they approach things? Was there a, just a, an atmosphere of like, were you able to like, really talk anything through like what did you think mm -hmm. that they that they got that felt right and created enough space that you didn't feel like you had to do the generic thing and, yeah. and have that season or whatever yeah, so you know i'll probably have a good answer for this as soon as i leave the building um, <laughs> and, and you know i'm one of four brothers oh so wow it okay. would be Big interesting family. to to talk to them see too. different experiences sure so, but, but what just I, for your sake. Yeah. And what I would say is, you know, as I've thought about it as also being a pastor, looking at my kids, which by the way, my grandfather was a pastor as well. So wow. third generation yeah. pastor and looking at my son saying, don't become a pastor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I think, I, I think a lot of it had to do with, it was invitational in the way, like I was invited to participate in the church as much as I had to show up to stuff and be at church on Sunday. It was a, this is who we are as a family, not, not a, like you need to become this or you need to, because like, I'm this. Yeah. Right. Right, right. right. There was never a pressure of like, you need to become this. This is who we are was there. Mm -hmm. And then an invitation to participate in a greater sense if I wanted to. And then the other thing mm -hmm. was, I, you know, I got to credit the, the, the folks that were in the kids ministry and the youth ministry that walked with me in the midst of it. So probably as well as I think my parents did a good job of finding some sort of balance in there. And they're, I mean, the, the side part of this is my parents are all in on this. Like my mom fairly early on in our childhood also joined the church staff in a ever increasing role. She led the outreach department for, yeah. you know, this growing church, which would become, you know, mega uh, and the outreach would become an influential ministry within mm -hmm. the, and outreach means um, ministry to the poor and the marginalized okay. society and the, and the world. So you might think of it as missions or something else. Mercy ministries, this kind of thing. Sure. sure. Yeah, those kind of things. So they're, I mean, they're. So they were both all in yeah, professionally. So fairly young. Yeah. I mean, our church, our household was consumed with what was going on in the church and what was, and yet at the same time, we were given permission or just the freedom to go be our own selves. Wow. At least on some level. Yeah. Um, and then I had great, like I wanted to be a part of the youth program. I had great leaders that loved and walked with me and not in a, Oh, you're the pastor's son. I was going like, to say, cause that's a whole nother thing to have, for yeah. them to have the courage, boldness, the clarity to be mm -hmm. your pastor. Yeah. Right. And, and, and not be like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this yeah. is the pastor's son. Right. And potentially one of them, you know, is in, my dad is their boss, but right. never felt they, they didn't ever, I mean, they probably felt that tension, but it never came down to me. That's it awesome. was, and I, and then I had small group leaders, you know, uh, volunteers mm -hmm. that just walked with me and a group of friends and like prayed with and, and pointed in a very honest, non pushy, judgy, you know, just walk in faith yeah. and honesty. And even in yeah. the children's ministry, just good people, volunteers that 
taught God's word, yeah. you know, the Bible stories of the Old Testament, and New Testament, and just loved kids well, and then loved into junior high ministry, loved into high school ministry, and then had um, some good dudes, especially in high school ministry, that just walked through all of that with me in a non, you know. I mean, that's just such a refreshing story of faithful ministers in your life, um, helping guide you and giving you room. Um, church is hard. Church is often really ugly, divisive, toxic, whatever. So many people, pastors, kids, are just like grown, grown up in the church, leave the church because of the betrayal, the pettiness, the viciousness, the, you know, the things that, you know, where the enemy gets in, wolves get in, things get in, and then they're like, if that's church, you know, like, like, do you feel like your parents like shield? I mean, I can't even imagine how much, you know, your dad or whoever had to deal with, you know, just trying to pastor such a, such a congregation. But did you feel, did you feel like you weren't like, I don't know, like, did you see that side of the church? Um, how could you not have yeah. like <laughs> seeing yeah. the difficult well, stuff? Well, and that's the interesting thing. So I know the history, you know, now better than ever. Cause then I went to work at the church, you know, on some level too. And so right. like just, and there were some really ugly seasons in the, in the church for my dad, like mm -hmm. just groups of people going, you're doing this wrong. Mm -hmm. We're out of here. Mm -hmm. We're starting another church mm -hmm. or just, we're at, you know, people just leaving, mm -hmm. not even say anything, just leaving with their, so the, there was definitely seasons that, you know, probably almost took my dad out. You know, if you, if you talk to him that we probably felt the tension in the household, but it, we so if they shielded us, what I think they shielded us from, which I'm I'm grateful for now, especially as I think of being a pastor, because I think it's, oh, some smart dude that talks about this, but uh, I want to say like a now or a, mm -hmm. like the, the, the moment that a pastor becomes to resent the congregation, right, is, is death. And so what, you know, whatever tension my parents felt in there about a bunch of people hating on them, that resentment towards those people was never taught to us or yeah. it was never taught to me. I mean, again, and you didn't, you didn't even it. feel that like in the atmosphere that uh -huh. there was like resentment against the church or bitterness against yeah. the church, yeah. because that's what has struck me about your story is, you know, you love the church. Um, and, and you have all the reasons <laughs> to know enough not to, yeah. right? I mean, you, you couldn't be more inside in, in, in some basic ways your, your whole life growing up and then as a pastor now. But, and, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you were in the same, uh, we had a class, we had a New, Te I had a New Testament class uh, at our seminary and, I, and it was taught by a guy who hated the church. It was taught by a pastor who had been so burned and we could all, we're yeah. all like kind of no, looking at each other. No, I was in that class with you. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Because like, we're all looking at each other like, uh, this guy needs yeah. like to retire. Like he hates the church. Mm -hmm. And we would like talk about that at the breaks, like his bitterness and frustration with his own experience in ministry. It was, it was so sad. But it was like, it was obviously bleeding through. And it was like totally characterizing how he taught the class. And, you know, you guys just need to, you know, you just need to get ready because people are terrible and you know like yeah. you know like i remember at first I'm like oh maybe this will be like a refreshing sort of like you know this uh, this is reality and then it kept going and i and and it must have been you i and maybe you know jess maybe a couple other people were just being like what is this this yeah. is toxic this guy is so bitter no right and he had been 
wounded and shot by enough churches because yeah. it was t- two or three churches. I yeah. think I remember that he, yeah. And it never maybe was fully dealt with on the other side. And then he's teaching a bunch of pastors to love the new Testament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, it was a little bit. So in one sense, yes, I remember thinking the same thing like, Oh, this is, this is good. This is somebody that's going to teach with some honesty, right? right. About like right. the dangers right. that come with this. Right. And there's a real danger there in that tension. And then it became obvious that he had never actually dealt with that danger. Right. He just went, this is who I am. And it's a disaster. Yeah. And he didn't keep going. Right. And it was interesting because the Lord, there was grace there too, at least for myself, probably for all of us. But it was like, oh, we got to make sure that doesn't happen even yeah. if the hurt happens. Right. Right? Like, you could see how it was just so personal, and so it, yeah. these well, things that really happened. So and, it did become the lesson on the other side of going, Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay, that's when it's undealt with. Right. And I, I don't want to be that. So I don't want to be that. How do I not be that? Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, we were learning, like, the book of Acts, and we're like, we, we love the book of Acts. We love this. We love the church. Love yeah. And, and, yeah, so, you know, I could see just even that our response to that being like okay we need to be real careful right that we don't get bitter and frustrated and not work through this with the lord if and when or just when right Mm -hmm. those things happen okay so how do you go from you grow up 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 the church do people just expect oh he's gonna be a pastor oh he's gonna you know just 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 keep nudging him along he expressed a little interest and let's just let's just kick all the doors open roll out the red carpet the sun and air (laughs) here's the throne what what how do you how do you even navigate it's enough for like your parents to be like excited for you it's another thing for like the church to maybe just say like expect or assume it at some point how do you navigate a very personal call to what you and i i think would both understand as sort of a lifelong calling a lifelong calling as a pastor what how did you work through the that calling especially without many barriers between you and just sort of like the church all around you or or those roles around you Mm -hmm. yeah so i would say some traditions are going to have a like a person in my position, like the pressure and the obviousness and the state, like the statement of the church to the kid is, is going to be real strong. Uh, where our tradition maybe not is you, the pastor's son taking over the church wasn't like an obvious sort of reality. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So, so I had some of that as a benefit. I, I did also have my grandfather who, you know, son became a pastor and he loved the idea of another son, being mm. grandson being pastor. He loved the, so, and he, he actually probably was of a denomination and generation that was like, would put that kind of pressure. I think my dad, because he actually felt that pressure from his dad. That's interesting. To become a pastor was maybe even overly care- cautious to not Very put aware it on of it, right? his four sons. With that, I would say there was probably some hope to in there that one of the sons would go into ministry or that all of us would go into mm-hmm. ministry on some level. My mom has a, you know, I think she wanted to be a missionary, mm-hmm. you know, as a young child and then, you know, wound up working in the church. But so she even had this, she probably had a hope for it. The way I experienced it was so in junior high, honestly, which it seems young or to experience this kind of sense. I, I would say in junior high, even I had a sense of maybe I could do that would be the way I would say no. And then, you know, went, nah, no, yes. Okay, maybe I could do that. High school um, began to get maybe more of a sense of that. I remember a a moment where 
the calling felt very real. So on a missions trip, and the speaker of the missions trip got up and said, you know, did an altar call, mm-hmm. thousands of high school kids in this field. And, Where? Uh, Mexicali, Mexico. Okay. I think Azusa ran the trip, but we'd go work with small churches mm-hmm. in Mexicali, Mexico. But at night, it was this outdoor, it was tent city, and then this mm-hmm. it was a cool trip. Gives this altar call, people stand up except Jesus. Then he does a second call, but it's the call to ministry. And the, he wow. does this whole, I don't want you to stand up. You should not be standing up. Don't stand up in the midst of this. Like, this is this is what it is to be into ministry. And some of you are feeling this call. And I do, you don't just stand up because your friend, you know, went really hard at it. Wow. Uh, in the midst of it. And, and it, you know, before he even started, I was like, I need to stand up on mm. this. Like, I'm in it. And also at the same time, it felt so silly. And he was mm. going at it so hard. And so, you know, people stood up, and I just remember sitting there going, I should be standing up because I'm pretty sure I am called to this, and I did not stand up. Mm. I was like, I'm not standing up for this guy. Mm. And later I talked to one of my great youth leaders, and I said, I, I'm pretty sure I was supposed to stand up, and I didn't stand up, and you know, just was looking for some, like, help and clarity. I don't remember everything he said to me, but I do remember one of the things he pointed out was, like, as great as the moment was, some of the absurdity of the moment as well, just in the hype and... And then just sort of affirming the, you know, you're going to be able to process and we'll work this one out with God. Like, right. you didn't miss anything. Good man. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like you're going to be all right. Yeah. Like, that's, that's miss... great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be okay. So I've got this sense that maybe this could be it. But I also have this resistance because hmm. even somewhat young, I had the sense of like, I could just be falling into this. And right. I don't want to fall into it. And oh, my uncle's also a pastor. And they would always talk about, and other pastors, like, if you can do anything else, don't go into ministry, you know, those, those sort of phrases, which I have some tension around those phrases, but you know, how do I balance the gen, like the flow of the river with a genuine calling? And I think what I did is I had moments of going, I got to try something else. I got to go after something else. So I almost joined the army, um, in after my first year of college as I'm going headed towards it. And again, I love learning and mm-hmm. I hate school. I'm a terrible student. Mm. Um, so I'm in college struggling at community college to do well and get good grades. And, um, I'm also working as an intern in the junior high ministry because my last year of high school, I helped drive a boat, um, for the junior high water ski trip. And they said, Hey, why don't you lead the small group? you know, of kids. And so I, I like that summer I got kind of roped into being an intern, Mm -hmm. which some of that is greased because I'm a known entity and who my dad is. And then some of that is also I've expressed interest and I'm a, hopefully they saw something and, you Mm -hmm. know, valuing. So I'd have these moments where I just sort of push away and go, I don't, I'm not, maybe I should go be a green beret, jump out of airplanes. That sounds like fun. I could help people. I could help people that way. (laughs) And I had, you know, and I got friend that was willing to do it with me and I'm like, let's do that. And, and if God still calls me to ministry, then I have some life experience and Mm -hmm. I can't do school anyways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, then he could call me back afterwards, you know? So I, I would, you know, so I went really hard at that, didn't join the military, but I just had moments constantly of going. And so I did it with, um, becoming a teacher. I remember. Yeah. I've gone, I, I should do that. Yeah. I need to do this. Yeah, I should yeah, yeah. do that. I didn't even thinking going, I should get a PhD. I should be a professor. Yeah, I, should, yeah, yeah. I should do that. Not that those things are necessarily mutually exclusive, but some of what those things are for me and my story is this 
I should go try to do something else. Right. And God kind of always stopped me and reaffirmed my call when I actually stopped and listened to him. Right. I talked to you about this the other day. Mm -hmm. Like even recently going, okay, God, really? Yeah. This is what you're called to. Right. Right. Who ordained you? Like, did your dad like get a sword and like, <laughs> I mean, like, no. how do you get? Yeah, how did no, you get Meredith ordained? gets licensed, so they do. A, they don't have an ordination process; they have a licensing process. So, they, okay. so I have to be in there with a couple pastors, you know. So I was working at the church, and so I had the people that I reported to, and they're the guy that I reported to and had for some years. He was actually my junior high pastor, I think. And then um, I had to have like a volunteer, so lay ministers that I had worked with. So I, I had a like three people around me and then there was the elders on the other side and it's this interview process and that you go through to become licensed Mm -hmm. and when did you feel the call to let's say plant a church which is what you've been doing recently yeah you end up down my neck of the woods which is san juan capistrano yeah i'm like lo and behold right i go from youth ministry i go to college somewhere else i come back i get another job um at mariners i'm a college pastor for a season uh working in college ministry i move i get married and i'm going to seminary at the same time let's go uh while pastoring college students which is awesome um at mariners irvine campus and um we moved down here because south county is beautiful it is and being at a mega church, one of the things you can do is not live in the immediate community because it true. reaches a problematic, county. but true. No, and I, which is I was what I was going to say is one of the potential negatives is sure. is, is you can't you know you don't have to live right next to it, right? And and actually that did become problematic for the way it, it's part of the reason that season of college ministry pastoring college students it became frustrating for my wife and I because. The way we wanted to do ministry was much more of having students in our home, and, right. but yet we had shot ourselves in the foot by moving far away. So not disconnected, it, yeah. Yeah, so it became harder to do that. Sure. You know, it was an ill-processed thing, and yet there was other stuff going on that made it a great decision. So I, that kind of got me down there. In the college, that season, that ministry was ready to transition, and I probably was ready to transition to. I got the opportunity to transition to another campus within the Mariners right down the street from right. me. And, and so you were like associate there? Yeah, did uh, care and recovery ministry, okay. helped with youth ministry, help oversee, oh, a lot of like different things. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, it went through a couple iterations, but one of the iterations, it went from 200 to 2,000 people, you know, just shot up. Wow. Became its own little mega. That's yeah, mega. I know. Technically. Technically. I mean, it probably I know landed just like... under 2,000. But yeah. Yeah. But it, I mean, it came from like yeah. a smaller expression of Mariners right. to like, well, this is a substantial expression all on its own. Right. And I got to be around for part of that, which was an interesting, you know, so you, you know, if you want to talk about some of the potential pitfalls of a mega church, you see those in a giant growth like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was looking for. I mean, I mean, yeah. Let, yeah, no, so no, that's fair. What was, and the reason I feel like I could, I can ask you that question is because you, you, you love the church. Love you love the church. church. You love your folks. You, you've already described how sort of the Lord's care for you in that place was crucial. How you had these faithful ministers who walked you through life. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like the, the good and essential things that were there for you and the Lord's work in your life. I mean, cannot be denied. And you don't have a chip on your shoulder. 
you know, and, and, and sometimes I have too much of a chip on my shoulder to, to speak, you know, um, validly about things that just sort of frustrate or annoy me, but you have a, a love and a personal experience that feels more legit than mine. Uh, as far as someone who is very willing to critique things that seem goofy or unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And so and that's honestly one of the reasons I, I, I want to hear, um, you on the podcast is you're, you're calmer, you're more stable than I am, I think in general, <laughs> but, but I, but I, but I, I trust not just your demeanor or whatever, but I trust your love for the church. And I trust that, um, you're not trying to like punch back, you're not, you know, like right. that you're, and especially as you're calling now planting a church that you just genuinely have personal experience and the wisdom of that personal experience to apply in a positive way for God's people as you continue to love the church. Mm -hmm. And so trusting that, I feel like, you know, you are the right person to ask about not just whatever, but what you saw and experienced that you thought, okay, this can be, this can be better or this can be different and it can allow for certain things. What, what did you do moving out of that world? Mm -hmm. And then as you say, then the front row experience of that world being birthed right in front of you in the in this other church that you were at um give me some of the things that were like okay i gotta be careful about yeah. whatever yeah so the i mean the obvious one which we i mean we even were able to identify in the midst of it is when there's that much growth there's all some sorts of wonderful problems in the church all of a sudden like okay now you don't have enough seats so you gotta add a service right that kids rooms can't hold the kids you know which are great problems right you've got that many people showing up and the sense of excitement about what god might be doing in the space but what it begins to or the danger that it does is when you uh when people show up and they're like mad about the parking lot or the or, okay so some of it's silly right mm -hmm. like the parking lot and the and as a person on the staff you just kind of look at them like then go somewhere else, <laughs> right. right? Like, what do you want? You, there which are is, other parking lots yeah, in the there world, are, my There friend. are other churches, there are parking <laughs> lots. Which, so there's a beautiful thing about that. Yeah. Okay, there are other gatherings of God's church right down the street. If you're not happy, go somewhere else. Mm. But, so, but the, the danger in that is you're just looking at people and going, like, so from a pastoral perspective, that's not a great way to love people mm. into Jesus, to mm -hmm. have them just kind of go, I can't deal with your complaints, right? Because... I got another thousand people over here, you know, just, I don't know, go somewhere else, you yeah. know. So the, there's a danger in there, what it can do to a pastoral staff. Um, that people could feel more expendable because there's so many of them. Exactly. Right. Right. And you just right. go, huh? Everybody yeah. else seems happy or yeah. they're not, but <laughs> right. they're not yelling at us. So right. you can go somewhere else. <laughs> right. right. But that's a dangerous thing yeah. to have, to have that begin to sneak into the staff. Unfortunately, I was with some good people that were able to kind of go, okay, that's a, hey, we got to watch that because we're all getting that a little mm -hmm. bit. And uh, the other is just the the pace of what, um, you know, you have to go to more and more services and that's that can mm -hmm. become hard over multiple days. Yeah, yeah. So you're tired, more yeah. tired. And so to have the energy to minister to people, so you have that as a potential pitfall. The other is that people can come and go and not be noticed or cared for in a necessarily meaningful way so you just have people come into you might might as well be listening to a podcast right yeah. oh i'm not just dun, dun, dun. no i'm i mean the audio just cuts out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> credits 
No, but yes. Right. Like what happened to incarnational there, ministry with there, human beings with faces, uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera. There are genius people on the radio and online like Dave Woods no. that are worth listening Ooh. to. And so if you can get a hold of that. But <laughs> no, but why? So why? You yeah. Know, they can just show up. Why here? Yeah. So if you're not present. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a like, is somebody walking with helping, aiming? Can they just show up, get what they want and leave? Which maybe isn't the worst thing for some people either. But there, there's all these small dangers that come, you know, with that kind of excitement, enthusiasm mm-hmm. amidst all of the greatness. You know, so Do you feel, did you yeah. feel the pressure to like maintain that momentum, that excitement, that enthusiasm? Did you like, now we have to have a three ski vacation retreats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. So I wasn't the guy. Yeah. So the. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So you wasn't I all the, on your head. No, I wasn't. I was a staff member. Yeah. Um, and so when there was moments of being in, so that the, so I got to be along for the ride. Yeah. Right. So people came, I mean, Holy Spirit worked, you know, so in the, in the other sense of if you get to sit in a, a service and clearly there's a sense of like, okay, this is people gathering, hearing God's word taught well and worshiping together and seeing God at work in people's lives, even if it was just for that moment. But then when you, so as a staff pastor at a mega church, there is potentially a, when you launch different program, like if you're at this where everything seems to succeed, if your thing doesn't succeed and, and oftentimes right or wrong, the easy way to measure something is by number of peoples in a, in a room. So there is a tension, you know, of being on a, you know, which any mega church pastor listening knows this tension, right? There is a very real experience of, I got to make sure I have a certain amount of numbers in here. Otherwise I'm the failure because everything else at this church seems right, right, to right. succeed by succeed yeah. number of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though there were other success points and celebrated success points, that's just the easy one. So people yeah. go to it, you know, which is the danger of, right. it's the trap. It's the trap. It's of, a trap. It's the trap of yeah. big church is to just go, Numbers this equals this. numbers of people equals success, which that's not necessarily wrong thing to measure, but there is a trap in thinking that that's success. And you ended up leaving yeah. to start a church, um, and I don't think with the intention um, of I mean, with the intention of it being yeah that again. No, yeah. So, so uh, what is that? What yeah. Is so this? I bounced around a little bit more than that. So I worked at another. Another church, another campus for a guy I loved. Loved being in that position with him and doing ministry with him. In that season, I very intentionally toyed with where do I exist in a church? So after going, okay, I am called, I'm called to God's church. I believe God's church is in all of the yeah. pain that I've seen within the church and, and in all the places where I see organized church not do great. Right. And the ones on the news and in the ones in my own backyard, I still very much believe in and feel called to the church. So I'm, I know I'm called to the church. So what does that mean mm-hmm. to be a part of that church as a leader within the church? So am I like, do I, am so, I a small groups ministry guy? You know, right, so at a big church, to, yeah. there's, it's not just a pastor. There's <laughs> a, like 20 different what are types you of pastors. About? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, you can be all sorts of type of pastor. Uh, you don't have to be just pastor you know you you could be kids pastor you could be the catalyst sports and adventure pastor you could be 
Um, there are all sorts of ways you can be a pastor. So, but am I a... But at the end of the day, you're like, am I a pastor? Yeah, am I called to be the teaching leader right. pastor guy? Right. You right. know, what you would think of as a lead pastor, right. senior pastor. Am I called to that? Right. And and so so I test on it. So I push on it. I talk to people and prayed about it. Um, and then I would try it on. So I leaned into that experience of being a pastor. Like, this is who I am. I'm going to be this. I could be great at this. I can help manage, lead, help run youth, help run men's, all these different ministries. And and then somewhere in that period of discernment of trial, I felt God saying, nah, you, you, I want to use you to teach. And I don't think I'm particular, like I'm no Dave Woods when uh, it comes to come per- delivering a sermon. Sliding money across the table right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took preaching, preaching practicum, what was it? I took a uh, preaching class with Dave Woods in seminary. So I'll, we did take a class. Yeah, I know what it is to be in a room where Dave is, <laughs> and it's fantastic. All right, all right, all right. So, on some level, yeah, going no, nah, that's that's where God's moving me. Like that's what I've got to go do that. That's what it means to be called to ministry for Cole. So I'm going to be called to teaching and leading, lead and, teaching yeah, pastor. pastor. So that's then, good. how do I do it? Do I go find a church? that needs somebody mm-hmm. or do I go start, you know, there's a lot of dying, sad little churches. And there's a lot of Cole. dying, sad churches with like <laughs> buildings, which takes on a different, but they have resources and buildings, right? So you get hired by a church, sure. but they also have problems. Yes, they do. <laughs> so, and they're not my problems cause I didn't <laughs> no, create them. There's somebody else's. <laughs> so somebody else created a bunch of problems yeah. and you can get hired into that and deal Whee! with all those problems. And they usually don't tell church. you about those problems until no, you've been hired. So I, and I apologize <laughs> to anybody listening that is unaware that churches have problems and oh, that, wow. that was a new experience to them. Not on your podcast. Well, I mean, you're well, well I, there'd be people problems. who just don't go to church. So they, uh, they know that. Yeah, okay. that's, fair. that's fair. But oh, maybe the surprise is that church people in leadership and those in the church know that the church has problems. Right. And they're still there. Yeah, it's you. You you want the the set of problems the Lord has you for. Yeah. Right. So that was on some level <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was one of the like, hey, do I want to go create my own problems because I'm not awesome, yeah. <laughs> um, or do I want to inherit somebody else's? And then really, um, what started to happen was uh, God. Uh, we had some friends that are like, let's do this. Mm. And then there was some like looking at our community and going, there's mm-hmm. some churches in our community. We live in Southern. South Orange County. There's quite a few churches out here. There's a lot of churches there's out here. a lot here. of churches out here. But there's also some houses being built. Yeah, and this is, so you felt called out to Rancho Mission Viejo area where, as you've told me, I think, what, 30,000, 30,000? 30, yeah, it's like 14,000 uh, homes going in. So it's 14,000 homes. 30,000 to, 30 to 50,000 people. I can't, I forget how the, I used to know all the numbers. Really yeah, because well, yeah. when you, especially when we talked when you were first getting going it was like hey this is a huge new community being built out here yeah. there are no churches out here yet because nope. it's brand new um so there was a genuine place uh mm-hmm. for church and yeah. and that was the the section of the area that you felt called to let's give it a go you even named it the ranch ranch church yeah. right because, ranch church well because ladera ranch and ranch Mishvio, they kind of collectively there's a ranch ad- thing there self-identify themselves yeah as okay ranch. so yeah. you're like we're gonna be your church yeah we're gonna take that name that was the hope ranch church. say hey yeah. we're we're here for that's yeah. yeah. We're here for you. Yeah. Yeah. We're not. We're not the coast church, right? Mm-mm. Because you're inland, right? Yep. Okay. So ranch and church. Yes. And yes. I do not think that I am aiming at a church of thousands of. Right. 
people. Your actual, your heart is not to like, oh, I need to recreate that or yeah. try to so capture coming that out of mega churches, church and church you're going campuses. for a smaller church. I yeah. So some of it is what I think is happening in the culture, which it's hard to talk about now because so much has happened in the last five months. Yes. But yeah. going into it, right? What I saw within the church, and again, I'm a like I love the church. So I think God uses all sizes of churches in all sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those big churches have resources to muster at things that, you know, a church of our size, Ranch Church, uh, just doesn't have, we cannot muster resources at certain things. So there is a place for that. But at the same time, I, I just feels like to me that at least part of what God is doing within the church in America is a multiplication of smaller size churches that are are way more intently aimed at their neighborhoods and mm-hmm. communities and mm-hmm. so addressing the neighborhood and community in mm-hmm. a a more specific way back to the parish yeah back to that yeah. local right and this is not a cool thought and no 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 there's a lot of people thinking smart people that are going no sure. this is this is within a movement within the church that i I identify with and got excited about quite yeah. frankly of going, yeah. no, I want to pastor a church within a community. Right. That's a specific to a yeah. community. That's yeah. intentional about going after a community. That I love that. Now tell me that community, mm-hmm. what are the big idols? Like what, what keeps people from hearing there? Like you said, there's church on every corner, yeah. even in your area, the newer area right. there will be right. Because that's what we do. Um, yeah. even though, well, it's pretty expensive probably to find rent and stuff, but, but you know, eventually, um, so as a pastor of a community church in South County mm-hmm. in a affluent, dare I say hyper affluent, uh, newly built, newly being built community, sure. um, not mm-hmm. to stack the deck, but like yeah. what, well, compared to what it's genuinely, affluent, right. Yeah. Compared to North County. <laughs> <laughs> um, but genuinely like what, what keeps people from Hearing the word of God, walking with the Lord, staying with it, staying consistent. What are the big challenges you see mm-hmm. for for people in South Orange County to mm-hmm. find and follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. Just a small question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's we're in the age of pandemic. We're in yeah, the age of all right. sorts of so things. So much stuff has shifted. So that's that's true. But, too. Well, and maybe so much uh, stuff has been maybe made more clear too on the on the sun level. I heard um, Mark Sayers. Uh, you know Mark Sayers. I love right? Mark Sayers. He's, a, he's one of the. I don't want to say he's one of the only. He's one of the only great. He's like our prophet. You yeah. Know? Like he's fantastic. I'm a fan. And he, yeah, he said a few times like, "This is just revealing what was there, yeah. right? That right. there is just no more hiding place for the idols of culture. Yep. When people are under this much pressure and this much uncertainty, it's just being exposed and accelerated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So with that caveat or yeah. that hyper focus um yeah. what are those challenges for for so i think most of um the narrative of the suburban world mm-hmm. is safety and security right so safety and security being the driving force that's what i want to be a part of safety and security is you know maybe the dominant i call it an idol mm-hmm. narrative that we hold on to and tell so everything kind of aims us at that which is not a that's not a gospel those aren't right those aren't gospel things so that's a you know, and that there's was a tension subtle, there. right? Yeah. No, but like mm, we'll do the subtle. Keller thing, right? Good thing made God thing equals idol, mm-hmm. not just obviously evil thing. Safety and security for my family, Cole. How could you be against my family yeah. and no, my kids I, having the yeah, best schools I'm and my gated them. community? You want us to get mugged and robbed to prove we're Christians? Nope. <laughs> 
Yeah. But, so there's a, there's okay, a tension yeah. there, yeah. right? So safety and security, <laughs> that's going to be one of them. Uh, and then I think uh, the what people have placed there, I mean, I think the, the new dominant religion of um, our area seems to be politics. So one side or the other, that that's that's where and and it's it's the dominant religion. It's the dominant idol in the sense of people are what whether they say it outright or not. That's what they're trusting for salvation, uh, which seems like a strong word maybe to use mm. when people are addressing politics. But when we, I think when we pay attention to what we're getting really excited about, and we pay attention to what keeps you awake at night hits the the political rallies of the day now there's some stressing things going on in the political rallies our day so sure. there's some energy maybe that should be devoted to that in our in our brains but that's not where our hope is as jesus followers yeah. and so it's, and so it's not where our salvation is either right so when we're looking to become the parents the you know whoever you want to be in your workplace or the you know the father that you want to be or whatever it is it's not politics but yet that's where we drive um a lot of our energy right now and so that's that's the one of the dominant along with the overarching safety and security mm-hmm. we're just choosing and and it's and it's it's hard so the people in the church no no I, jesus is still my salvation sure 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 yeah, yeah yeah but it becomes more of jesus on the side right or or jesus when i die right but not jesus now right jesus for eternity yeah but like you said, what is what people are most passionate about? What you said so well? What keeps them up at night? What mm-hmm. what what bothers them the most? What excites them? What gets them fired up? Um, does not seem to be the Lord in general, um, and and more and more obviously the case. Yeah, which is crushing, and and that's how do you well then do, do you just go after that constantly in sermons? You're just like, hey, yeah. Hey. Okay. So here's what. Stop. Yeah. So here's what every pastor in America is going to be dealing with now this year, is the amount of criticism and the amount of affirmation. So what happens after each sermon? You know, they're going to aim, do their best to aim people at Jesus and His good news, the gospel. And uh, somebody's going to come up to him and say, "God, that was a great, that was a great message. I really like how you're going after." so-and-so and And they're going to name the other political party Hmm. and then somebody's going to come up to them from the other political party and go oh you've just gone all righty or all lefty whatever whatever and that pastor is no that's axe i'm sorry i'm sorry that you heard this political stream in there but no that's just the that's just the gospel of axe and the tension between jews and gentiles i Mm. you know Mm. yes Mm. i think it's relevant for today Mm -hmm. he's going to get the affirmation or she hmm. is going to get the affirmation of the thing they weren't looking for affirmation and they're going to get criticism for it. So effectively, no matter what you preach on, you're going to get criticized or, or affirmed in a negative way because they're going to interpret everything you say through their dominant religion, narrative, idolatry. And so depending on which side of the aisle they're on, that's how they're hearing your sermon now, which is is a bummer. And I, and I don't want to over, I mean, I'm overstating it a little bit, but the, the tension in the church in America is that it's just making it to, to Mark Sayers point evident that, that the, the, the tension right now within Jesus following communities is where is my hope really found? Where's my salvation really found? Who's in charge here? 
Yeah. What, what am I pursuing? Right. You know, because like you said, it's it's just so easy to for any of us. Uh, this isn't just some people or whatever. This no, is just, it's so easy for any of us to say, no, of course I still believe in Jesus. Of course Jesus is everything. Of course that's where my ultimate hope is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in reality, right? Like these are the decisions that are, you know, they're going to ruin our world. And it's always the flight 93 narrative. It's always like, this is it. Like this is the make or break. And, and, and that rhetoric has not been exploded, even though it's been at that pitch for a while now. And that's, and that's just not a Christian thing. Yeah. Well, and that's not a Christian we, right. On some level either. No, it's not. And, and, and then it also points to the fact that, Oh, maybe I am actually placing more of my hope than I should. So, you know, and surely those things are related. The, the convenient, safe thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to stay safe. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if I see, you know, this political group or that political group going to disrupt Mm -hmm. that quality of life or the way I, you know, make Mm -hmm. too many changes or, or not make the right changes or whatever it is. Um, if I've fully sunk my hope into, you know, I live and dwell and have organized my life in the most safe and comfortable terms, convenient terms, and there's this dangerous stuff pressing in on it, I got to do whatever I got to do mm-hmm. to protect, to guard the mm-hmm. way I live and my family or whatever else. And you're saying because that has become people's sort of core identity rather than Jesus, there's just much more willingness to to compromise Jesus yep. for the sake of that immediate, like... Right, yeah. If if we knew that, you know, if a military dictatorship or a communist socialist regime took over America, if you knew that more people would come to follow Jesus mm. if one of those realities <laughs> was true, would you hope for one of those realities? Because ah, ah. that's what I was going to ask. I was like, well, what do we need? I, and I was almost going to say, like, do you think a recession? But we both know, no, because then you recover from the recession, everyone goes right back. We've both been through 2008. Yeah. We've both been through, and we're going to be going through whatever. Yeah. But it, it's going to return eventually, and then everything else returns. It's almost like I love even just your hypothetical because it's like a radical and permanent change may be the only thing that would crack people out of their idol or crack that world open. Have you asked your church that question? No, I, I wanted to. If you, I, I do pretty short sermons. Good so, question. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where we depart. Yeah. 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 Well, the, yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> So, but right. So, I mean, and it, it aims at it, and that. So, it's a radical question, right? But also, it's not not in our history. So, just look right. at the church. It's in also Jerusalem a historical and, like, description to, to Acts here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, and all of a sudden, the boom! Persic, the yes. gospel yes. goes spreading throughout yes. the world, yes. and you just go, oh. right? And and I don't want to answer that. Like, you mean, of course, my kids are going to lose their home, right. and they're like, <laughs> no. I mean, so don't sure. so don't get me wrong. But it's a great people that are listening, but. It, it points to, is, is it really Jesus that I'm going after? Right. And do you really want his kingdom more than the kingdoms of this world mm-hmm. that might offer you safety and protection and all the things you like to keep going? Mm-hmm. It's a huge question. Because what if Jesus' kingdom was greater under the kingdom of this yeah, world that right, I don't want? Right, 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 right. I mean, I'm not saying that that's true in any way. From Babylon with love. I do, right? <laughs> Someone, I, you know, I got pulled up short a couple of times like, what? You're, you're too pessimistic. Why are you calling it Babylon? You're like, we're, we're supposed oh. to be triumphant. You know, like, we're not supposed to give up. I'm like, 
I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking your question through. I'm yeah. kind of like, well, but if we just say like we could live in Babylon and we could follow Jesus and we could we could spread yeah, the gospel and right. we could be the people of God, then yeah. we could be the people of God under any circumstances. Any circumstances Behold, right. which is we're we're not triumphant. We're hopeful, right? And Christian hope looks at the world in all its ugly reality and still goes, yeah. And Jesus came and died and rose from the dead. So right. yeah, I have tons of hope. Like right. so, it's not. Mm, that'll right, preach. You know, sorry. No, that's. Let's go. Gosh. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm oh, the, 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 the table. <laughs> shaking the, I'm messing with the sound. Producer Zach's going to intervene. I, I thought you've already been through one season. This no. is, aren't you on to a second season? Yeah, this is and season And you still two, don't know not to hit the table? Out anything. Okay. I've I, never been on a podcast. I love, I love, love, love. And I, and I do think, you know, I was talking to, um, I was talking to Pastor John just earlier today. And he said, you know what? We may be in a season where people are just going to need to see a handful of us genuinely like asking that question of ourselves first and genuinely like just trying to live out hey we're going with jesus no matter what anybody else is deciding around us like we're gonna just keep going forward with jesus and not like oh this is like frozen chosen but like almost like prove it like prove it right prove it pastor like your life is supposed to be marked by the fruit of what you actually believe so if some of us can genuinely keep walking through these times without buying into that, this is the the end of all things unless you put your hope here, that we have to be willing to to just continue to go forward and not, to come back to our earlier point, not the dangerous thing of being so utterly frustrated and bitter mm-hmm. at the church, which is something I've been struggling with. Like when you see the quality of the Christianity on display, particularly in evangelicalism, just so dispiriting, so discouraging. Where are our leaders? Where are the you know, where are the people? Yeah. And I actually think that's I think that's one of the things Satan's trying to do to us too at the at this moment. The church is where the hope of the world is found. Right. And, and it is in the church that that's going to be put on display. So when the church shows up and is actually the church. So when, we, when we're quick to go, the church is this failed reality. It's the narrative you hold on to. Mm-hmm. So I have to remind myself of, you know, the families that are a part of our church that, you know, are hosting food packing events. And they're reaching out. The beautiful part of that event is not, oh, we're sending meals across the country. Though that's good because there are people starving. They are so, they are in a place where they are so trying to love and care for their neighbors right now, even in the midst of the world gone crazy. Like they are just, every time I talk to them, they're just driven towards their people that live across the street with them Mm -hmm. because they love them. They love their kids and they want them to know Jesus, Mm -hmm. but they just are loving and aiming them at Jesus. Mm -hmm. And you go, that's the church, right? And their other neighbor from our church down the street that's going, yeah, yeah, we're in this together. So yes, there are things that are not going great, even within the community of followers of Jesus. And yet at the same time, God's still doing great stuff. And Mm so we're not oblivious to it, but we also don't want to hold on to the lies of the church is a failed and yet it's not, yes. not even in the slightest. Right, right. Because Jesus is Lord, it's his church, his bride, he died for it. The, the lamb will receive the very award for which he suffered and died. And, and, and that, that's why um, I love being a pastor. Because it's like what you just said. It's like when you actually see people, mm-hmm. and both of you and I can just think of our people, mm-hmm. and 
life is hard mm-hmm. and they are they are praying and grasping on to you know scraps sometimes to hold on to marriages to keep going to not you know give up on their kids like coming to know Jesus you know uh, losing jobs like just just working hard life is so hard and yet to see the work of the Lord in honest like just regular people that's the hope of the world mm-hmm. because that is Jesus transforming lives, homes, streets, communities. Mm-hmm. And and when you don't lose sight of people, when you see people, man, it, it's hard not to love people when you see them as mm-hmm. individuals, when you see them as like our brothers and sisters in Christ will be known by the love we have for one another. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be known by hating mm-hmm. and, you know, just despising, mm-hmm. you know, church in some abstract way. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy we had for that class. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be a guy who went all in and just was so disappointed mm-hmm. um, at the things around him. You know, and that and that is that's such a good exhortation for myself, and I'm sure for many other people. Which is what I've always appreciated about you is is you don't lose sight of your love for the church, you don't lose sight of the Lord's love for the church, mm-hmm. and you don't give up on the church. We don't. We how could we if the Lord hasn't given up on His church? Whenever this is heard, whatever's going on. Um, whether it's pastors that are hearing it, Christians that are hearing it, don't despise the church. Don't give up on the church. Don't get bitter against the church for all its catastrophic failings as an organization or as people in their pettiness or whatever. Um, But by the grace of God, go all of us at any given moment, and Jesus has died for this this church, and and he is bringing his hope and his gospel to the world through it, no matter what. And that is, that's why we live, move, and have our being, right? Um, thank you for even just bringing us back to that place. How could we be praying for you and your church? Hmm. I, and I don't mean this sound like fake, pious, and whatever, but like we're all in this together. Um, and if someone hears this, knows the Lord, loves church, hears a pastor talk, how could we be praying for Colby Shore, for Ranch Church, for just this season and the seasons that are coming up, what, what would you what would you want us to be praying for? Mm. Man, I, I well, so one, I think the invitation to pray for the church or the gathered churches right. is is a great invitation. So, and then for us specifically, I think the for the leaders and by leaders, I don't mean the the staff members. I mean the those that are uh, help to lead others in their neighborhoods of the church. Um, and then because of where we are, uh, just cl- real clear direction on where God wants us to be and mm-hmm. how to be because we're still new yeah. to it. So there's some infancy that, that the vision would still be clear and the calling would still be clear because I think God's calling to the church is real clear and God calls specific churches. So I just think as God directs and guides our specific church, mm-hmm. we'd love just continued prayer for that direction yeah let me uh i'm gonna say a prayer can i do that producer zach on podcast is that legal is that even is that a real thing all right i'm gonna say a prayer uh lord jesus we we uh we are your servants lord we're not we're not anything but servants and 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 you say very clearly in scripture um servants don't even need to be commended but we also don't need to feel 
I don't know, like anybody owes us anything. We're, we are your servants. We were slaves of Christ. You have saved us by your grace. I just pray, I pray for Cole, pray for myself, for anybody in pastoral ministry, Lord. Help us to continue to teach the word faithfully. Help us to love your people with the love that you love them with, Lord, with the love that you love and have saved us with. Help us to just stay the course no matter what's going on, not fall for the enemy's lies about hatred, bitterness, hostility, tribalism, anything, um, or as a reaction or overreaction to any of those things. Help us to just keep our eyes on Jesus, continue to move forward, trust that you are the one who is the good shepherd. You will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank you for my brother, and I thank you for all that you have called and are calling now into those fields to to be pastors and to shepherd your people. Uh, may you bless them with a rich harvest, Lord. May you bring fruit out of faithful teaching, and may you increase our love for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, my friends. Cole, be sure. Thank you so much no, for being thank on the you. podcast. And we will uh, love to have you back and give a, a little update on Ranch Church uh, when, the time, uh, when the time is ripe. Thank you, my friends. Uh, we will uh, hear you, see you, talk to you, be around you somehow for the next episode. That's our time, my friends. If you would like to support the podcast, please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast, head on over to FromBabylonWithLove.com, click on Newsletter, and sign up there. Until then, many thanks to producer Zach Leach for all the twists and turns and to Lonesome and Muddy, the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse. This has been From Babylon with Love.